Chapter 5B of The Shake. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. The Shake by E. M. Hull. Chapter 5B. The sense of his presence had been terribly real. She dropped on to the ground again with an hysterical laugh and pushed the thick hair off her forehead wearily. Silver Star, laying his muzzle suddenly on her shoulder, made her start again violently with heavy, beating heart. A frightened look went across her face. "'I'm nervous,' she muttered, looking round with a little shiver. "'I shall go mad if I stay here much longer.' The little oasis that she had hailed so joyfully had become utterly repugnant, and she was impatient to get away from it. She climbed eagerly into the saddle, and, with the rapid motion, she regained her calm and her spirits rose quickly. She shook off the feeling of apprehension that had taken hold of her, and her nervous fears died away. A reckless feeling, like the excitement of the morning, came over her, and she urged the gray on with coaxing words, and, responding to her voice and hardly feeling her light weight, he raced on untiringly all around was silence and a solitude that was stupendous the vast emptiness was awe-inspiring the afternoon was wearing away already it was growing cooler diana had seen no sign of human life since she had left gaston hours before and a little feeling of anxiety stirred faintly deep down in her heart traces of caravans she passed several times and from the whitening bones of dead camels she turned her head in aversion. They were too intimately suggestive. She had seen a few jackals, and once a hyena lumbered away clumsily among some rocks as she passed. She had got away from the level desert, and was threading her way in and out of some low hills, which she felt were taking her out of her right course. She was steering by the setting sun, which had turned the sky into a glory of gold and crimson, but the intricate turnings amongst the rocky hills were bewildering. The low, narrow defile seemed hemming her in, menacing her on all sides, and she was beginning to despair of finding her way out of the labyrinth, when, on rounding a particularly sharp turn, the rocks fell away suddenly, and she rode out into open country. She breathed a sigh of relief and called out cheerily to the gray. But as she looked ahead, her voice died away, and she reined him in sharply with a quickening heartbeat. Across the desert, about a mile away, she saw a party of Arabs coming towards her. There were about fifty of them, the leader riding a big black horse some little distance in front of his followers. In the clear atmosphere, they seemed nearer than they were. It was not what she wished. She had hoped for an encampment where there would be women or a caravan of traders whose constant communication with the towns would make them realize the importance of guiding her to civilization unharmed. This band of fighting men, for she could see their rifles clearly, and their close and orderly formation was anything but peaceful, filled her with the greatest misgivings. 
only the worst might be expected from the wild, lawless tribesmen towards a woman alone amongst them. She had fled from one hideousness to another, which would be ten times more horrible. Her face blanched, and she set her teeth in desperation. The human beings she had prayed for were now a deadly menace, and she prayed as fervently that they might pass on and not notice her. Perhaps it was not too late. Perhaps they had not yet seen her, and she might still slip away and hide in the twisting turnings of the defile. She backed Silver Star further into the shadow of the rock, but as she did so, she saw that she had been seen. The leader turned in his saddle and raised his hand high above his head, and with a wild shout and a great cloud of dust and sand, his men checked their horses, dragging them back onto their haunches, while he galloped towards her alone. And at the same moment an icy hand clutched at Diana's heart, and a moan burst from her lips. There was no mistaking him, or the big black horse he rode. For a moment she reeled with a sudden faintness, and then, with a tremendous effort, she pulled herself together, dragging her horse's head round and urged him back along the track which she had just left, and behind her raced Ahmed ben Hassan, spurring the great black stallion as he had never done before. With ashy face and wild hunted eyes, Diana crouched forward on the grey's neck, saving him all she could and riding as she had never ridden in her life. Utterly reckless, she urged the horse to its utmost pace, regardless of the rough, dangerous track. Perhaps she could still shake off her pursuer among the tortuous paths of the hills. Nothing mattered but that. Better even an ugly toss and a broken neck than that he should take her again. Panic-stricken, she wanted to shriek and clenched her teeth on her lips to keep back the scream that rose in her throat. She dared not look behind, but straight ahead before her, riding with all her skill, hauling the gray, round, perilous corners and bending lower and lower in the saddle to aid him. In her terror, she had forgotten what a little distance the hills stretched from where she had entered them, and blindly she turned into the track by which she had come, leaving the main hills on her right hand and emerging onto the open desert on the south side of the range. There was nothing now but the sheer speed of her horse to save her, and how long could she count on it? Then, with a little glimmer of hope, she remembered that the sheik was riding the hawk, own brother to the grey, and she knew that neither had ever outpaced the other. She had ridden hard all day, but it was probable that Ahmed ben Hassan had ridden harder he never spared his horses, and his weight was considerably greater than hers. Would it not be possible for Silver Star, carrying the lighter burden, to outdistance the hawk? It was a chance. She would take it, but she would never give in. The perspiration was rolling down her face, and her breath was coming laboriously. Suddenly, a few minutes after she had left the hills behind, the sheik's deep voice came clearly across the space between them. If you do not stop, I will shoot your horse. I give you one minute. 
She swayed a little in the saddle, clutching the gray's neck to steady herself, and, for a moment, she closed her eyes, but she did not falter for an instant. She would not stop. Nothing on earth should make her stop now. Only because she knew the man, she kicked her feet clear of the stirrups. He had said he would shoot, and he would shoot, and if the gray shied or swerved a hair's breadth, she would probably receive the bullet that was meant for him. Better that, yes, even better that. Silver Star tore on headlong, and the minute seemed a lifetime. Then, before even she heard the report, he bounded in the air and fell with a crash. Diana was flung far forward and landed on some soft sand. For a moment she was stunned by the fall, then she staggered dizzily to her feet and stumbled back to the prostrate horse. He was lashing out wildly with his heels, making desperate efforts to rise, and, as she reached him, the black horse dashed up alongside, stopping suddenly and rearing straight up. The sheik leapt to the ground and ran towards her. He caught her wrist and flung her out of his way, and she lay where she had fallen, every nerve in her body quivering. She was beaten, and with the extinguishing of her last hope all her courage failed her. She gave way to sheer, overwhelming terror, utterly cowed. Every faculty was suspended, swallowed up in the one dominating force, the dread of his voice and the dread of the touch of his hands. She heard a second report, and knew that he had put Silver Star out of his misery. And then, in a few seconds, his voice beside her. She got up unsteadily, shrinking from him. "'Why are you here, and where is Gaston?' In a stifled voice she told him everything. What did it matter? If she tried to be silent, he would force her to speak. He made no comment, and, bringing the hawk nearer, tossed her up roughly into the saddle and swung up behind her, the black breaking at once into the usual headlong gallop. She made no kind of resistance. A complete apathy seemed to have come over her. She did not look at the body of Silver Star. She looked at nothing, clinging to the front of the saddle and staring ahead of her unseeingly. She had dropped her helmet when she fell, and she had left it, thankful to be relieved of the pressure on her aching head. Her mental collapse had affected her physically, and it needed a real effort of willpower to enable her to sit upright. Very soon they would join the horsemen who were waiting for them, and for her pride's sake, she must concentrate all her energy to avoid betraying her weakness. Ahmad bin Hassan did not go back through the defile. He turned into a little path that Diana had overlooked and which skirted the hills. In about half an hour the troop met them, riding slowly from the opposite direction. She did not raise her eyes as they approached, but she heard Yusuf's clear tenor voice calling out to the sheik, who answered shortly, as the men fell in behind him. Back over the ground that she had traversed so differently, she knew that it had been madness from the first. She should have known that it could never succeed, that she could never reach civilization alone. She had been a fool ever to imagine that she could win through the chance, 
that had thrown her again into the sheik's power might just as easily have thrown her into the hands of any other arab luck had helped ahmad bin hassan even as she herself had unknowingly played into his hands when he had captured her first fate was with him it was useless to try and struggle against him any more her brain was a confused medley of thoughts that she was too tired to unravel strange conflicting ideas chasing wildly through her mind she did not understand them she did not try the effort of thinking made her head ache agonizingly she was conscious of a great unrest a dull aching in her heart and a terrible depression that was altogether apart from the fear she felt of the sheep she gave up trying to think she was concerned only with trying to keep her balance she lifted her head for the first time and looked at the magnificent sky the sun had almost set going down in a ball of molten fire and the heavens on either side were a riot of gold and crimson and palest green shading off into vivid blue that grew blacker and blacker as the glory of the sunset died away the scattered palm trees and the far-off hills stood out in strong relief it was a country of marvellous beauty and diana's heart gave a sudden throb as she realized that she was going back to it all she was drooping wearily unable to sit upright any longer and once or twice she jolted heavily against the man who rode behind her his nearness had ceased to revolt her she thought of it with a dull feeling of wonder she had even a sense of relief at the thought of the strength so close to her her eyes rested on his hands showing brown and muscular under the folds of his white robes she knew the power of the long lean fingers that could when he liked be gentle enough her eyes filled with sudden tears but she blinked them back before they fell she wanted desperately to cry a wave of terrible loneliness went over her a feeling of desolation and a strange incomprehensible yearning for what she did not know as the sunset faded and it grew rapidly dusk a chill wind sprang up and she shivered from time to time drooping more and more with fatigue at times only half conscious she had drifted into complete oblivion when she was awakened with a jerk that threw her back violently against the sheik but she was too tired to more than barely understand that they had stopped for something and that there were palm trees near her she felt herself lifted down and a cloak wrapped round her and then she remembered nothing more she awoke slowly shaking off a persistent drowsiness by degrees she was still tired but the desperate weariness was gone and she was conscious of a feeling of well-being and security the cool night air blew in her face dissipating her sleepiness she became aware that night had fallen and that they were still steadily galloping southward in a few moments she was wide awake and found that she was lying across the saddle in front of the sheep and that he was holding her in the crook of his arm her head was resting just over his heart, and she could feel the regular beat beneath her cheek. Wrapped warmly in the cloak and held securely by his strong arm, 
at first she was content to give way only to the sensation of bodily rest. End of chapter 5b